Well, amen, and good morning again. It is so good to see everybody. Uh, thank you for being here. We're, we're very uh, blessed and thankful that you've decided to make Liberty Church uh, your place of worship this morning, uh, re- literally your destination this morning, so thank you. Uh, you've picked a great Sunday to be here. Uh, we are going to be picking up uh, where we left off last week. Uh, if you came last week, we, um, we started a brand new series, uh, a brand new message uh, titled Small Faith. Uh, and so I'm really excited to, uh, to, to study this out and dive a little deeper and talk about this today. And, and last week, y'all remember we gave y'all some mustard packets, right? We didn't do that today. Did anybody bring their mustard packet to church with them today? Nobody? Oh, y'all are rode up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so we gave those to you just as, just as a, uh, something to remember, right? We, we would love to give you a, a mustard seed. Uh, but they're so small, y'all didn't even bring the mustard packet back to church, you definitely would have lost the mustard seed by now. So, uh, and it's just a, just a remembrance of really what God uh, calls us to do and to, to live by and to really believe. We studied it out. We're going we're gonna to hit all the recaps, really what, God, what God's word says about our faith, right? We use that scripture that says, faith of a mustard seed, right, has the power to move mountains. Uh, impossible things can be made possible, through the, the, the mustard seed-like faith. And so I'm really excited to, to just study this out and, and, and to go a little deeper uh, with y'all this morning. So let's go ahead and let's look at our first point, our first recap point uh, that we're going we're gonna to talk about. And so small faith is a shift. Somebody say shift. Shift in our thinking. It moves us from disqualified to qualified. Small faith qualifies us to live the life that God has for us. And so really the idea, the thought behind this message uh, is really a shift in our thinking because sometimes as believers, as Christians, we have a tendency to uh, think that the things we're believing for, the things we're praying for, uh, the things that, the impossible things that we need uh, to be made possible in our life, right? And we feel like God's not moving and God's not answering and God's not saying yes. We have a tendency to think maybe it's because I don't have big enough faith, right? It's because he's saying no because I, I just don't have enough faith. And so the shift that has to take place is I have to realize that, that my faith has to be in him. I can't have my faith in my faith, so to speak. Does that make sense to somebody? See, because my faith, if my faith is in my faith, it's like my emotions. It's up and down, right? Some days I feel like a conqueror in Jesus' name, and other days I feel like I'm barely crawling in the right direction. And so if my faith is in my faith, I can't bring His glory to earth. (laughs) If my faith's in Him, He can begin to live in me, to work through me, uh, to, to move me in powerful Ways, right? And so it's small faith is, is a shift in our thinking uh, and it moves us from, from disqualified to qualified. When I, when I make that shift and I realize what my faith is in, he begins to, to requalifies me to the kingdom, right? Because the opposite of faith is, is doubt. And so if, if my faith is in anything else, if it's in myself or anything else that's not in him, I'm technically disqualified from his kingdom, right? For him to be able to, to use me. Uh, and when, when, I, when I requalify myself based on my faith and what I say I believe in, then we can begin to live the life that God has for us. And, and see, the amount of faith that he's already given us is enough to please him and for us to accomplish 
the impossible things in our lives. Does anybody here this morning need something impossible to take place in your life? Anybody? Just a couple of you? Hey, man, I see some hands. Come on, let's get real. Let's get honest. Let's get open in the house this morning. Because, see, here's the thing about faith. If, it, 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 you know if you need something. If you're just on the fence, you got to believe enough that he can. Don't be shy to raise that hand. I'll raise both mine and one of my feet. I need some impossible miracles in my house and my family for our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and read Matthew 17, um, verse 19 through 20. And so this is really this foundational scripture, right, that we read last week. Really what we are, are building, this whole message, this idea, this concept, really what Jesus preaches and teaches us, that's the only faith that God calls us to have. And so Matthew 17, 19 through 20, it says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here uh, to there, and it will move. Somebody say, will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. And so Jesus is preaching that, that if this is the type of faith that we need. We don't need bigger faith. We don't need more faith. We just need the faith of a mustard seed. And he uses the faith of, if, if, has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? They are like super tiny. You can barely even see it. And he says, that's all the faith you need. If you had that, possible things can be made possible to you. You can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. And see, if you read a couple of scriptures before that, what happened? The disciples, they were trying to, uh, to, to cast out some demons, right? And, to, and to for signs and miracles and wonders to happen. And it, and it didn't happen. And so they go to Jesus, Jesus, excuse me, and they're asking him, why couldn't we, couldn't we move in the gifting, right? Why, why didn't nothing happen? Why couldn't nothing take place? And Jesus said it was because of your unbelief, because of your, of your doubt. If you'd have had faith in, in, in the Father, just if enough faith is a, is a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so... Um, I want to share this with you as, as I was um, praying and studying. Uh, I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this with us this morning because I believe this is what happened to the disciples. We have to remember that the pressure is not ours. The pressure is not yours. It's not mine. The pressure is on God. And God can handle the pressure. You better believe me when I tell you that God can handle the pressure. Amen. And I believe that's what happened to the disciples. They, they put the pressure on themselves, right? We do that sometimes as we're, we're praying for others or believing for ourselves or we, we need healing or, or we're praying healing for somebody else. And we're like, oh God, what if he doesn't show? The pressure is not ours. The, the burden is ours to, to, to stand in the gap and, and pray in compassion. Uh, the burden's ours, uh, but the pressure's his. Uh, I want to share a little story. Um, there, there's a mighty woman of God or Arab camps. Her name is uh, L Miss Lilia Stebbins. Does anybody know who she is? Mighty woman of God. Just a little itty bitty, uh, a beautiful little woman, little F Filipino woman. And man, she knows the word and, and she, she can hear from the Holy Spirit. And um, she, she's, she's amazing. But So we do a, an encounter retreat uh, where you can uh, get plugged in and, and experience some freedom. Amen. I don't know if anybody's been through an encounter. Uh, and so she's one of our leaders at our encounter weekends. 
And at, after the encounter weekend, all the leaders get together and we have lunch and we just share the victories, right? That's one of the best parts of the whole weekend. We get to share what God did that weekend. Uh, and this was a few encounters back. And, and Miss Lily was sharing right before the Holy Spirit session, the last session we do, she just felt like a, a, a little thing of fear rising up or maybe a little bit of unbelief rising up inside her. You know, like, well, how am I going to pray uh, for so and, you know, for, for a certain somebody? And the Holy Spirit quickened her before. As soon as she had that thought, she said, no. You know, the pressure's not mine, God. We, it's on you. We need you to show up. We need, God, we need you to show up to your own concert, right? Imagine going to a concert to one of your favorite bands or, 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 or singers or something. You, you, you planned on seeing them, right? You paid to see them and they didn't show. God will show if you acknowledge that you need them to come. Amen. Amen. He'll show up and show out. So that healing can happen, so that restoration can happen, so that freedom can happen, so that real, tangible kingdom things can take place in real people's lives and hearts. Amen? So just remember, the pressure ain't yours. It's him. Say, God, I need you. I need you to show up. And believe me, he'll show up. Let's look at that next point. So last week we said, we said Jesus didn't say that we need big faith, right? We just established that through what we read in Matthew. It says, he said we need small faith, a mustard seed-like faith, uh, and it was enough to move mountains and nothing would be impossible to us. So that's the shift in the thinking. I know some of y'all, when you read small faith last week, you said, small faith? I want big faith, right? I want, I want bigger faith. That's how we think. And, and, but Jesus, he says, you just need faith of a mustard seed. That's it. And, and who I am and, and, and be rooted in my truth and in my word. And it's enough. It's enough for those impossible things to take place uh, in your life. It's, it's enough for those impossible things for your family, uh, for your ministry, for whatever it is that you need. It, it, it's, it's enough. And so the Lord was showing me, though, so we don't necessarily need a bigger faith. We just need uh, faith in the right things. Right? But the Lord, he, he purifies our faith. And so we need purified small faith. And how does he purify our faith? Through the things we're going through, right? Through tests, through trials, through things that I feel like I don't know how I'm going to get through this, right? Stop, stop trusting yourself. Stop trusting your ways and, and your thoughts and your answers. And that's how he purifies that, that small faith. And when he purifies that small faith, guess what happens? It begins to kindle that flame of faith inside of you. And it will naturally begin to grow. And so if you're aiming for bigger faith, you'll miss. But if you aim for him in the small things, it'll naturally grow. Is anybody seeing that? And that's what happens. And so he purifies our small faith through the fire of the things that we're going through. Some of those toughest things that you ever go through will be that thing that, that plants that seed of faith. Oh, I, I share my testimony. Me getting delivered and healed from my addiction to alcohol. I had to go through some tough things. I'm a prodigal son. So I went through some stuff. But, but, but when he healed me and healed my heart, you can't talk me out of that. That's right. That seed has taken root in my life, in my heart, in my, my spirit. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's that type of purity that I'm talking about. How he purifies 
our faith. Amen? Let's look at that next point. And so we said last week, God has already given us enough faith. Somebody say enough faith. To move every mountain in our lives, and the proof is in salvation. The proof is in the fact that we've, we've trusted him with our salvation. If we have enough faith to be saved, then we have enough faith. And so if you're here this morning and you've, and you've made that commitment one, uh, at some point in your life, you've surrendered your life to God, right? We call it being born again, getting saved. It's a moment when you say, God, I trust you, right? I can't do this without you. And so we said last week that it took enough faith to do that that no matter whatever, whatever else you go through, something tough, something rocky, something hard, if you had enough faith to trust him with your life, your eternal life, then you have enough faith for the miracle that you need to take place for that thing that you're going through. Does anybody see that? Because you believed him enough then, why don't you believe him now? The proof is in the fact that you, you gave him your life. and You know what? You have enough faith this morning, I can tell you, because guess what? You're here in his house. You, you had enough faith to come through the doors at Liberty Church. Hey, and let me say, if you're here this morning and you've never done that, you've never had that moment where you've given God your life and you say, God, I, I'm done fighting and, and fussing and arguing with you. God, I want you to come in my life. If you've never done that, trust me. I promise you there'll be a moment for you to do that today. I promise you. Amen. And you can leave here different and changed, and filled with his presence, and, uh, and glory, and love, and mercy, and grace, and full of his, his joy, <laughs> amen, if you want to, today. Let's read Romans 12, 3. It says, uh, because of, of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul, he's, he's speaking on the authority of God, he says, uh, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourselves as better than you really are. Go ahead and underline that if you're following along if you want. Don't think of yourselves as better than you are, right? Because not only do we look to other people and we say, oh, I wish I had the faith like they have, but when we, to make ourselves feel better at times, we say, oh, you know, I'm doing better than so-and-so. And so Paul's saying, take warning, don't think of yourselves as better than you really are. Are, and he follows that up with saying, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. He says, evaluate yourselves. How do I know where I'm really at? Ian, where am I really today? Tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have to make an evaluation. I, I do it every day. I hope that you do. I spend a lot of... Uh, windshield time driving. I do pest control. And so I, I'm driving to about 10 to 15 different houses a day. And so I'm praying and driving and I'm evaluating and thinking about my life and our life and our church and people I'm praying for. And, 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 and I'm evaluating my life. And we have, he says, not only just evaluate your life, measure yourselves by the faith that God has given you. What are you by faith doing that you believe in enough that you are actually by faith carrying out? Doing, loving on people, praying for people, uh, believing and, and, and declaring and confessing. I've been believing and declaring, confessing over our nation a lot <laughs> the past few weeks. It breaks my heart and it makes me mad all at the same time, the things that are going on. But he says, measure yourselves by the faith that God 
has given us. So I want you to hear me. The, the measure of faith that God has already given you is enough. It's enough. You're here. If he did it for you once, he can do it for you again. If he did it for, for Linda Lou or Billy Bob, I'm going to steal that from Pastor Rick. They're always my... Linda Lou and Billy Bob are always in trouble. <laughs> or they're always doing something good. They're, they're my, my, my constant examples. Uh, that's because we live in Alabama, right? And we can do that. But so, th th that's what we have to see is that the, the faith that God's already done in my life, it's enough. It's enough, amen? Let's look at that next point. And this is really that last point we gave you last week where we left off. Um, and so we said small faith is the difference between touching Jesus and receiving. Somebody say receiving. receiving. From him, from Jesus, everything that you need. And so we use that story right out of Mark 5. Y'all remember the woman, right, who was, who was in such a desperate place, who needed a, 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 not just a touch from God, she needed to receive healing from God, right? And she believed it enough. She had small enough faith to, to, to do what? She, she crawled on her hands and her feet through the mud and through the crowd. Jesus was, was in a, a crowd of mass of people. And you know what? And I have a feeling maybe she thought, I, there's no way I can actually touch him. There's no way I can actually get to Jesus. But she had small enough faith that what she say? She said, you know what? If I could just get to the hem of his robe, to the hem of his, to just touch his robe, I'll be healed. That's the type of faith that we need. And that was the type of faith that moved her and what happened. She received by her faith, not because she touched Jesus. She received because she believed. And so I want to challenge us as a church. Who came to church this morning with the expectation and the hope that they were going to receive something real from God this morning so that they could be healed as they leave? Or who just showed up to church and said, you know what, I'm just going to come, let's feel better. But I don't believe that anything can change. I don't believe that you can make me better, God. I don't believe that you can speak to me. You know what? We have people and Christians that believe and think and live that way. They come to church because it feels good. It's the thing to do. But they don't actually believe that they can receive something real. And believe me, you can receive something real today in this service at Liberty Church Holly Pond. And it's, that's the difference between small faith, it's not just, just being at the church, in the sanctuary. It's being able to receive something from heavenly places. Amen. And when it happens, you'll know that it only came from Him. Right? Amen. So let's, let's look at that first new point uh, that we want to give you today. I'm excited uh, about, about sharing with us. This morning, as we, as we dive in a little deeper, and I, I told you at the top of this that we're going to kind of hinge this message and begin to talk about the second part of that verse that we're using out of Matthew, uh, the impossibilities of God. And so our small faith is directly connected to impossible things. And you can't, you can't achieve impossible things without faith in Him. And so God, He never asks us to do the impossible, but He asks us to believe the impossible is possible. He doesn't ask us to do the impossible, but he does, he does ask us to believe in the impossible, right? Does anybody believe in Jesus? Right? Every Sunday, everything that we preach and teach here at Liberty Church is based on that, that, that fact, right? That, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
uh, defeated death, hell, and the grave, that he was crucified for not just my sins, but the world's sins, and then on the third day, he rose again, and then it doesn't stop there, that he promises us everything he wants to give us, and promises eternal life after we leave this place. That's pretty good news. That's the gospel. That's what that means, good news. That's the message that we preach, and guess what? That's pretty impossible. And so he doesn't ask Ian to do anything. He, he proved his love by demonstrating that through Jesus so that what? So that I would believe. So that I would believe. So that I would take an honest look at my life, an honest look at God and say, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. And so by faith, I have to, to believe that the impossible is possible because if I believe in Jesus, that's exactly what I'm declaring by what I say and what I believe. And so here's the thing. When we face hard times, when we face impossible things, if it feels impossible, if it feels daunting to me, where is my faith? What is my faith in if something that seems impossible looks impossible? Where's my faith? Have I lost sight of what I really say I believe in? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. We're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. Crucifying your flesh is hard. Paul says, I, I carry my cross daily, right? Carrying a cross is painful. Living for God costs everything. He doesn't want you half on the fence. He wants you all in. Because guess what? He doesn't ask us anything to do hasn't already proven. Was God all in for you? I just talked about how he was all in for you. He wants us to be all in for him. And so we, where's our faith? We, we have to trust in him. We can't do God's part. You can't do God's part in your life. Only he can. And as I look at my life and, and think about my life, man, I've had so many amazing, good, miracle, impossible things happen in my life. And it really starts with my, my healing. God supernaturally healed Ian from addiction, all sorts of addictions, alcohol, uh, drugs, selfishness, pornography, pride, all these things. But how did he heal Ian from those things? Ian had to voluntarily put himself in a program called Teen Challenge uh, for a whole year <laughs> in order for God to do the impossible. And so all the impossible things that happened in my life, I didn't myself do. God did them for me. But I had to, by faith, believe step by step by step. That's how I live for him. That's how I trust him, is I believe him enough to take the next step. The next step. God, this looks scary. This looks impossible. God, I can't believe I'm about to go to Teen Challenge for a year. God, one step. Two days later, I was born again, saved in the middle of a worship service. One step. That's really where my journey begins. He began to, to heal me, heal my life, and heal my heart. And then other things, amazing things, began to happen in my life. One of the most miracles, amazing, impossible things is I can't believe how happily married that I am, that God sent the love of my life into my life. I never thought I would have that. That seemed like an impossible thing to me. But what I had to do, I had to keep doing the next right step. I get it. Being a single Christian uh, can be tough at times. 
Living out your purity, walking out your purity, hoping and praying that God has somebody for you. Don't sell yourself short by throwing your purity away. After I graduated the Sunshine House, uh, another program like Teen Challenge, I, I actually had to do two years <laughs> to get what God was trying to give me. He told me when I left the Sunshine House that, that I needed to, to have a whole year with just me and him. He said, I want you to be faithful and married to me first. Prove yourself trustworthy to me first, and then I'll send you somebody. So guess what I did? That's what I did. You know, the Bible says that he's, uh, Jesus is our bridegroom and the church is his bride. So I learned what it looked like to be a bride for a while. And what happened? God sent me my amazing wife, Pastor Jessica. I could keep going. I think of my, my career, the, 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 the work that I do, doing pest control, and, and the fact that I, having a job that I actually love, I've never woke up, been doing it four years, I never woke up a day and said, I hate my job, I can't. You know, when you don't want to hit the alarm, how am I going to do this? God blessed me with that type of career. And it goes hand in hand with my ministry. I never would have thought I could have a job that I love. I can't believe the amount of money that they pay me to do what I do. I get to kill bugs and pray for people. And talk about my family and talk about their family and just love on people. Being a campus pastor. If you'd have told me the day I accepted Jesus, they said, okay, that's great. You're going to be a pastor in eight years. I'd do what? And what do we do? God did the impossible, but we took the next step. We served in children's. We served in youth. We served in and celebrate. We served every ministry that Liberty Church has to offer. I served in media for like eight months. That was the, actually the first place I served was media. And so the next step, and the last thing I want to share is just the impossibility of becoming a father. I'm about to become a father for the first time. And God has really, that's been my prayer. God, give me the heart of a father. And he's done that. He's doing that. We haven't even met him yet. But for you to tell me, before I got saved, that, that I'd have a wife and have a family and, and, and be having a baby. I never would have believed you because even in my sin, I knew the responsibility of what it means to bring a life into this world. And thank God I, I never had any children before I met Jessica. Because even then, I seen the responsibility of what it means to raise someone in this life. So I continued to do what God asked me and God did the impossible, amen. If he can do it for me, this is just my sap story. I'm no, I'm no more special than you. He can do it for you. you know, I've been through some stuff. I try and share as much of it as I can. I'm a prodigal son. I was in the pig slop, at the bottom, about to be dead. Amen. Only God can do that. So let God do what he can do, and you just do that next step of faith. Amen. Let's read Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the substance for things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That is the biblical definition of what faith is, of what faith means. If you've never heard that, never read that, highlight that, write that down, star that in your Bible, write it out, because that is exactly what, what faith in a nutshell is. We, we have to, by faith, believe for the, the things that have not yet happened in our lives, to believe it enough that they can, that they will, that they're a reality of, of what God says for us. And so our faith uh, that sustains us 
while we're going through what we're doing, it sustains us through two things. We need to have hope and we need to have expectation. And I want you to hear me. We have to have hope and expectation that the impossible things can happen, that things can change. Because without hope and expectation, you can't live a life of faith this way. You have to, you, that is literally how, we, how we, we step out of doubt and disbelief is when I say, okay, I believe you, I have hope and expectation. That's how we shift. That's how we, we shift our mind. That's how we shift our, our, our hearts, our spirits. That's how we move from a place of doubt to a place of faith. So we begin to say, God, I, I have expectations and I believe that you can do it for me. When, when I gave my life to Christ, that's exactly what I did. I was hopeless. And I, I said, I've tried everything, God. I said, only you know what I need. I said, God, I, I, what was I doing? I hope and expectate. I hope that it gets better. I believe that it can get better. God, I have expectation. I, I, I'm trusting you to see this, to, to, to make me better. And he did. And so the impossible things that you need to happen in your life can't happen if you don't change your expectations and your hopes. The impossible things that, that you want to happen in your life, they can't happen. Hear me. They can't happen until you change your expectation and you change your hope. You have to expect that something is going to get better. You have to hope that something is going to get better. And I know sometimes we do that. God, I believe, I expect, I hope. And sometimes it almost feels like it's getting worse. Anybody been there? It feels like it's getting worse. That's the purity of faith I'm talking about. That's going through the fire of faith as God purifies us and draws out the impurities. And he wants our hopes and expectations to be in him. Amen. See, faith, let's look at that next point. Faith expects the good, uh, and we got hope in parentheses there because really hope and expectation are hand in hand. They, they go together. They almost mean the same thing. Your hope and expectation have to be uh, together. And, and so we have to expect the good God has promised. And faith sees, somebody say sees, what God says as a reality. So faith has to expect and hope that things will change. And, and, and not just change, but actually give us what God's promised us in our life. And faith has to see it and believe it enough that it says what God says is a reality. And see, we have to keep our expectation up and our hopes up so that by faith, we can kindle that belief and what we believe in enough to stay there as we're waiting. And if we don't do that, y'all, what does the world say? What does the world tell us to do? Somebody sat last service saying what I'm saying. <laughs> don't get your hopes up. The world says, don't get your hopes up. Because why? Because you might get hurt. And if you get your hopes up, you can spare yourself the pain. Y'all, as Christians, we can't live that way. We preach the hope of the gospel. You can't, you can't have hope in Jesus and then live in despair and keep your faith muzzled down and snuffed out because you don't want to get hurt. And, and when we tell ourselves, maybe I don't really want to uh, pray that audacious, bold prayer because God might say no, or God might, not, or might say not now. If God's given you that desire in your heart, 
keep believing and praying for that thing until it comes to pass. See it as a reality. Because if you don't have expectation and you don't have hope for that, that the heart's desire that God's given you, it will not happen. Trust me, hear me. It can't happen until your expectation happens and your hope begins to happen. And when those things collide together, now God can say, yes, you can move that mountain in Jesus' name because you had enough faith to believe. Right? The impossible things that you need to happen in your life can't happen if you don't change your expectations and change your hopes. That has to be the shift in the way that we live our lives. Let's look at that next point. So faith expects uh, the good, um, the hope, the promise. Wait, we already went through that, didn't we? I'm sorry. Um, Hebrews 11, uh, 6 through 8. And so, uh, the writer of Hebrews here is, he's, he's going to lay this out for us on why we have to change our expectations and our hopes. And really, when I change our expectations and our hopes, it changes our actions. It changes our behavior, and it demonstrates what I say I really believe in. But right there, um, at verse 6, he says, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him, to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And so without faith, it's impossible to please him. And let me say, without faith, your impossible will stay impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to please him without faith. And without uh, faith in him, your impossible, it'll stay impossible. Give them a chance. Give them a, give them a try. Give them, start giving them your hopes and your, your expectations. See, because when you change your hope and you change your expectations, things change. When you change your expectation, you change your destination. When you change your expectation on what God can do in your life, you literally change your destination, the course of your life. You was going this way in fear and doubt, in your own way of thinking, and now I have hope and expectation that he can. And what's the word repent mean? It literally means to, to turn around and go the other. Now you've come in agreement with God, and your direction has literally changed. And if you need a new direction in your life, one of the best things you can do to change your direction, direction is to change your expectation of who your father is. Because he loves you. He cares about you. He's in your corner. And he's, he's already laid it all out there for you. Uh, Pastor Pete, our CR pastor, he says this all the time, God's already, he asks us to do one step. He's done the 99 steps to get to you. All I ask you to do is do one. To do one and to trust him, amen? Let's read um, verse seven there. And, and for sake of time, Brittany, I'm gonna skip through uh, some of these. Two. We, so the writer of, of Hebrews, he's really, uh, he's gonna use demonstrations of, of people in the Bible that have walked this out. This, this, this faith through action. And so God does the impossible through our faith over and over again. And he's going to lay this out for us. I'm going to uh, read seven, 7 through 8. So he's going to talk about Noah here. He says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world 
and became heir to the righteousness which is according to faith. Right? So, so God spoke and showed Noah that he needed to build a boat, right? To build an ark. People uh, cussed him and shamed him and, and told him he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, and he was the only one to make it out, right? See, but so, so God, he, Noah believed enough to build it. But God, what did he do? He did the impossible thing of gathering the animals, bringing the rain. And, and so, so we can't do God's part. We have to do our part. Noah, he believed it enough to do his part. Verse 8, it says, uh, By faith Abraham prayed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham, the father of many nations, right? That's what his name literally means. God called him that. And he said, you're going to be a father of many nations. And Abraham's like, nations? I don't even have my own place. <laughs> and so what did he do? He believed enough by faith to go out. He didn't even know where he was going. And what happened? God declared his promise. He gave him the promised land. And through, and through Abraham, Jesus was born. And, and through Jesus, the, salvation was, was, took place. And now the father of many nations has, has come to pass. So Abraham believed and obeyed enough, but God provided the place. And let's go down to Hebrews um, 11, 29 through 30. It says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Right? We all know this story. Moses, he, he by faith believed it uh, and extended his rod right over the water. He, he did that part by faith, but God did the impossible. Right? He moved the water. And see, I believe it has to go hand in hand Moses' hope and expectation was that God was going to do it as he extended his rod. And so when our hope and expectation collide with our faith, that's when impossible things happen. I still have to do mundane things, things that I use every day. His rod was something that he used every day. But in this case, he had a hope and expectation that when I do this, something amazing and impossible is going to happen. Amen? Verse 30, the last one we're going to use. He says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Y'all remember the walls of Jericho? Joshua and the Israelites, they, they marched around the wall, right, for seven days. Then on the seventh day, what did they do? They shouted, and what happened? The walls came down. It's no different for them. They believed it enough to do what, what God was saying and showing them and asking them, to do, but God literally knocked the walls down. God did the impossible. So impossible miracles happen when we, by faith, believe and see what God says as a reality. Somebody say reality. In our lives. When we see what he says as reality, it moves us to a place of action. When you have hope and expectation and you believe it enough, you will begin to, by faith, move to a place of action to see that thing come to be. And so if we don't have action in our lives, what do we really believe in? If we don't have any action in our lives, what do we really believe in? If we're doing nothing with the gospel, the message of Jesus at work with our families, wherever we find ourselves, then what do we 
do we really believe it? Because I feel like if, 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 I, if I say one thing, I confess one thing, then my life needs to show that. Because I don't want be, to be a hypocrite. Y'all know the world hates hypocrites, right? That's why the world has a stain on the church because they think all churches are the same and church is full of hypocrites. And so we have to, by faith, believe it, see it as a reality enough to move us to a place of action. And, and I feel like God's saying, if you love me, then show me. If you love me, then show me. We as people, we like when other people show us that they love us, right? People can tell us, even our own spouses, I love you every single day, but we don't feel it until that they actually make us feel love by showing us that they love us, right? I believe it's no different for God. He says, if you love me, then show me. And guess what? Did God love us enough to show us that he loves us? John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. So if we love him enough, what, what is he asking us to do? Even the uncomfortable things, even the hard things. What is he, what is he asking of me if I have to do it? <laughs> I have to do it by faith to show myself strong and true in what I say and believe. Amen. Let's look at that last point. Here's the good news. You don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe, somebody say believe, believe. that God can. <laughs> you don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that he can. Small faith moves mountains and nothing is impossible to you because nothing is impossible to God. You don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that he can. And here's the thing we got to do. Stop focusing on your mountains and start focusing on your God. Stop focusing on your mountains and start focusing on who your God is, who, who, who your Father is, and that He can and that He will. I don't know when or where or how, but it, if He said it, if He's shown it to you, He'll do it. Amen. Stop focusing on your mountains. Start focusing on our God. And the things that you focus on have a tendency to become bigger in your life. If you magnify your mountains, magnify your problems, magnify your whatever it is that you're, that's tough or that you're going through your, your sickness or your disease or, or, or a bad relationship, it has a tendency to get bitter, bigger. And so if we magnify him, guess what happens to our faith? It naturally becomes bigger. It naturally begins to grow in our lives. And I have more hope and more expectation and more faith to see what he says as a reality, that it will come to pass. Amen, in Jesus' name. Let's look at that last scripture. is Luke one let Let's read it together. It says, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe it this morning? Yes. Amen, do you believe it? Do you believe that he, that he can do those things in your life? Nothing is impossible to those who believe. As we started this message, I asked you if you had something uh, that you needed to take place in your life, something hard, something impossible to raise your hand. Well, if that's you, then based on Luke 137, for with him, nothing is impossible. It's your faith in him, amen, that makes those things possible, that can make those things come to pass 
and happen in our lives. Amen. I'd like to ask everybody, let's just um, to get in his presence. And however you do that, oh, if you close your eyes or bow your head or whatever you do, I just want you to get comfortable uh, and, and to just uh, get into his presence. And I want us as a church to give him permission. Uh, Paul re- said this morning as we read to, uh, to evaluate our lives. And I, I want you to, to give, give God a big giant magnifying glass and ask him to magnify those areas of our lives where we doubted him or had disbelief in an area where it seemed too impossible. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at us. You know, we we live our lives in doubt sometimes. And I just want to magnify those areas in your life. If it's something that you've lost hope in, something that you've said, you know what, it's just not for me. Maybe I didn't hear from God. If If it's something like that, I want to magnify that thing. And I want you just to begin to pray right now and declare, God, forgive me for doubting you. God, and with all things with you are possible. God, I still believe. God, nourish this, this, this uh, flame of faith in my life. God, and I believe for it to happen. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you did that, I want you just to raise your hand. If you had something impossible, amen, her hand's going up. Amen. Good, honest Christians in the house this morning. If you raise your hands, keep raising us. I want to pray over you right now. Father God, Lord, I pray right now. God, I, I, pray, I, I bind uh, the, uh, the spirit of fear. God, in doubt, God, in shame, God, anything that's trying to rob these believers of their miracle, God, of their faith, God, I bind it now in Jesus' name, God, and I loose the spirit of love, God, and, and faith, God, the faith of a mustard seed, God, to take, to take root and sprout in their life, God, for something new to take place, God, for the miracle to happen in Jesus' name, God, I, I loose love and mercy and peace, God, peace in Jesus' name as they wait, God, is there in a gap? maybe wherever they're in. God, peace in Jesus' name. Just as Jesus said, peace be still to the water, Father. Thank you. May the Lord your hands. Amen, amen. If you're here this morning, you're visiting with us, and I promise you there'll be a moment where you can give your life to Christ. And that moment has come. So if you're here this morning and you've never, you've never done that, we call it being born again or getting saved. It's just literally a moment where you say, you know what, God, I'm done doing things my way. I want, to, I want to begin to trust you more and live for you, God. I'm trusting you now. If you've never done that, this is your moment. Everyone's praying. No one's looking at you. I'm going to ask you to do something kind of bold. I want you just to stand up right now. Stand up right now wherever you're at. If he's speaking to you, if he's showing you something right now, you have to stand for him. You say, why do I have to stand? It's because faith without works is dead, the Bible says. And if he's speaking to you right now, you have to do something by action, by faith that says, God, I hear you. God, I see what you're saying. And I, I want to forsake my sin, myself, Satan, lies of the enemy. God, and I want to come in agreement with your truth. So if that's you, a few more seconds. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. Don't leave here the same.